I just want to say, first of all, I was sitting over there looking over at Hui. It's uh, very adorable because he was sitting there and he was uh, falling asleep. He was like nodding, nodding, and he was trying very hard to stay awake. And so I want to acknowledge the fact that most of you guys are going to be like Hui today. You're going to nod and you're going to try to fall asleep, but um, the effort is there. The effort to listen and the, the effort to, to, to understand the Word of God is there. And so don't feel bad if you feel like you need to fall asleep. Go ahead and lean on your friend, your neighbor, and just have a nice time. <laughs> just don't struggle too hard, okay? Because I, I don't, I don't want to be the person who prevent you from a good, restful nap, uh, you know? So go ahead. Um, uh, it, is, it is very much your choice to do that. If you so feel inclined uh, and, 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 you know, don't struggle on my behalf, okay? So I just want to let it out there. I appreciate the effort that you put forward to listening uh, to the Word of God. And, and I will give every effort to try to make sure that I stimulate you enough that you would um, have an opportunity to listen to the Word of God. But I just want to leave it, leave it out there. The second thing that I want to say is that um, unlike other uh, people like Sun um, Wing and so on and so forth, I, am, um, I have my own way of doing things. I will not ask you to turn your Bible. I will not ask you to have your Bible open. What I would like you to do is if I mention a scriptural uh, address, it will actually be shown behind me. And so you can refer to that. But most of the time, the reason why I'm not asking you to do that is because your Bible version is different than the one that I'm referring to. So when you're reading whatever it is version that you have, and I'm saying whatever I have to say, they don't go well sometimes because they're different words, right? And you're struggling to try to understand the words that are like on your Bible, and I'm struggling to tell you what I am inferring from the version I'm reading from. So there's a lot of things going on in your mind. You're like, oh my God, this is like, this blows my mind, right? So I want you to not struggle, just, just follow me. Because it's hard enough for us to follow each other without multiple different, it's like watching an ad on, on, on YouTube while you're trying to watch another video. You know, so you have a video going on over here, and you have another video going on over here, and you're like, your eyes start to, cross outward and you're like my brain can't handle two stream of information at the same time you know and then your friends like yapping at you at the same time and you're like i can't get this i don't understand what i'm saying i don't understand what i'm seeing i have no clue what's going on right now all right so that is my introduction and 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 i just want you to take comfort in the fact that it took me a long time to arrive at this point so if you don't get it we can have a conversation afterward this is an opening all of this all of what is going on up here is an opening, it's an introduction to welcome you, to invite you to have a conversation and to share in this sort of very small collection of passages in the Bible so that we can get to understand it together. Now, when you go to the university, when you go to school, what happens is that uh, your professor will get up and they will give you a lecture. They will present the material in the class and what that does, what it has to do for you, is to let you know that here is the material. You're not going to get it. You cannot get it from this lecture. What you have to do is you got to go home, you got to read it, and more importantly, you got to come and talk to me. You got to come and talk to me, the person who's presenting the material, the person who had written the book to tell you what is going on in there. Okay? So that is my introduction today. This is 
an invitation from God, not from me, from God, for you to come and find out what the author is saying. Okay? The person who wrote this book wasn't me. I'm simply disseminating some of the very short passages from this very long book. And what it has to do for you is to help you to come and ask him, what are you saying? Why did you say it? Why is it important to me? What does it mean for my life? It is an invitation for you to come and talk to God. Okay? That is the opening. That is the conclusion. Everything that I have to say today will lead up to that single point. It is an invitation by God. Every single thing that he said in the Bible is an invitation for you to come and talk to him. Find him. Find out what your life is all about and what does it mean. Okay? Right. Now, I want to open with Isaiah 43, verse 1, part B. Isaiah 43, verse 1, part B. It's very simple. It's very easy to understand. You would like to have these to be your Awana verses to memorize because it's short, it's concise, it's very easy to understand. Do not fear, for I, am, uh, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. It, it's like short snippet of sentences like our president like to say. Very short, very concise. It's easy to understand, easy to digest, and you can remember it. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Right? He doesn't give any condition. He just simply say, you are mine. All of you are mine. Every single one of you are mine. There is no condition. There is not a, you have to be good to be mine. You have to be a perfect saint to be mine. There is no condition. He just simply say, I have redeemed you and you are mine. I repeat myself a lot because it is important that this point comes through. Okay? Okay. Now, for him to redeem you, he does everything. Okay? Let me repeat that. For him to redeem you, he did everything. There is nothing that you have to do. There is no requirement on your part. I will continue to prove this point to you over and over. And he did all of this to invite you to do one thing, is to come and find him and to know him. That is the only thing that he wants you to do. Okay? So again, let me, let me say this. He did everything for you. Every single little thing. Okay? Now, the topic, the, the title of today's message is Scar. Now, I, I want to talk about Scar because uh, so, um, Sarah has a scar burned from the uh, oven, right? Kojiao uh, is going to have a new scar uh, from the surgery. I have about four scars on my body for various stupid things I have done in my life, okay? Um, I have this little scar right here, right here, that I did right here some number of years ago, 2008, right? Where I took a razor blade and I cut this scar right here in front of the whole church. That's that scar. Exactly why, okay? I will tell you why in a minute. But I wanted to let you know that there's that scar. There is a scar right here between my pinky and uh, my ring finger on my right hand. This is a scar from when I was, um, I, I was riding my bicycle when I was very young in the fifth grade, and I ran into a lamppost, uh, and uh, it hit me right here, and it split my finger like this, and that allows me to do this right now without any, any, any effort at all, because it had totally, completely separated my, my two fingers, okay? Every single scar reminds us of something painful, but it allows us to realize something fundamental about us, okay? Scars are caused by drama. Scars cause Sarah to know that the stoves are hot. Scars will remind Guo Jiao that she has a heart condition. 
scars remind me that at some point in life, I did something stupid, something else really stupid, something really, really stupid, right? It, it tells me that there's something that has caused us to feel pain, but it reminds us that there is something more than that. Pain isn't the end. Pain is only something that happened momentarily, but it can be helpful, okay? Why am I talking about scars? Now, all of you guys have scars, right? We all have scars? Right. We are intrinsically in afraid of scars. We are, we are dead scared of having scars, and yet we want to portray it to everybody. We want to tell everybody about our scars, right? Scars, look at scars. Why are we so afraid of scars? Because scars tells us that we're not invincible. We're not Superman. We cannot be shot by bullets and stand still, right? It tells us that we are vulnerable to pain, to death. It tells us there, that there is a permanent state of damage to us if there is something dramatic that happens. Now, these things are on the surface. These things are outside on the skin. Scars can also occur to you at a, at a spiritual level, at an emotional level. Now, let me tell you about a scar that I had during junior high, okay? This is essentially with me for all of my life, and it is a scar that I am more than willing to tell you about, okay? Now, uh, I was in ESL class, meaning English as second language, right? I, had, uh, I, I was in the sixth grade, my brother was in the eighth grade, and I think that it scarred him as well. But I don't think he remembers this particular episode too well until I'm reminding him of it. So I was in ESL, Mrs. Engen's class, it was uh, the period right before uh, PE, okay? I remember distinctly that day, the sun was shining, the sky was blue, there was so, some patchy clouds, just like today outside, okay? It was a very nice day, wonderful day, wonderful day. I did, not, I did not know too much English at that time. I had milk for lunch that, 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 um, for lunch that day, right before English, uh, ESL. And so I am lactose intolerant, okay? And I had milk for lunch. Now, can you guys guess what happened after that? <laughs> All right, so my stomach was grumbling. I, uh, it was very painful. And, um, uh, and, and I wanted to, because I talk a lot in class. Not like you guys, like, like, like you're like, oh, you know, he, he's such a perfect person. He probably never talked in class, or he never gave his teacher any problem. I gave my teachers a lot of problems, a lot of problems, OK? So Mrs. Engen is, a, is this wonderful teacher. I don't know, I, I don't remember her too well, but I do remember this one episode where, you know, uh, she called up um, uh, my dad uh, in the teacher uh, uh, parent conference and said, why does your, talk, your son talk so much? He talks incessantly, he doesn't stop ever, okay? That's how bad I was. Hmm? And uh, I didn't even speak English. So, so, so that's the problem, okay? All right. So let me, let me go to the, the story where the real scars occur, okay? So um, I had this awful stomach pain. I was sitting there in class, and I had no idea what to say to her. <laughs> and, and so I was just holding it in, holding it in for 15 minutes long, and I couldn't hold it in any longer. So guess what happened? <laughs> no, I, it wasn't a fart. It was much worse than a fart. <laughs> right. All right. So now you know what happened. Okay, so, so I went to PE. I was like, man, this is like great because, you know, 
Um, I could go to PE, I could change out, no one would know, it's not going to be embarrassing at all because I would change out and um, everything will be fine, everything will be fine, I got this, I got this. So I went to PE, no one knew anything, uh, I went into the, the restroom stall, no one knew anything, I was in the middle of changing my, sh my pants and guess what happened? No. So you know like, how bathroom stalls are? There's like a little gap at the bottom like this? That's, that's what got me, right? Because some, some, some of the other kids like, looked in and said, Ew! <coughs> Ew! All right. So that scarred me for life, right? I'm telling you this because it had a tremendous effect on me. The next time that I went to a restroom, I always check to see whether or not there's a gap underneath the door, right? That's the first thing I check for. And you know, I, I replayed that episode in my mind over and over and over, up until today. I was like, why didn't I see that gap underneath the door? Why didn't, I have thought of everything. I have thought about every single little thing, including how do I, how do I get the stuff out of the locker, into the, and everything, I thought about everything. I, ha I thought about how to keep my legs clean. I thought about getting a, you know, a little bit of water, wet the towel. I, I got everything covered except for that little gap underneath the door. That's the only part I didn't think about. Okay, so that scarred me. All right. So, but, but, but I, wanted you, I, I wanted you to understand something. I'm sharing that with you because it happened. I share that with you because it's embarrassing. I share that with you because it is a scar. And I'm pretty sure that a lot of you feel like there are a little bit of embarrassing things that you have done, right? Like Naomi was sharing with us yesterday. It's like his embarrassing, his embarrassing moment doesn't even compare on the chart of what I just shared with you, right? It doesn't even register, like, right? It doesn't register. Now, that, if that was the most embarrassing thing that I, that I can share with you, it is not. In fact, that is like on the minor scale of the, the embarrassing things that I have done in my life that scars me. And I don't think that is appropriate for this pulpit right here. But I'll leave it as that. If you want to find out more, I am more than willing to share with you those embarrassing moments. Because there's nothing that brings me greater joy than to let you know that there is nothing embarrassing before God. Because He knew it all. He knows it all. And He accepts it all. Because I will tell you why. Because he allowed all those things to happen to you for a very specific reason. Nothing that you do, nothing that you think, nothing that you have in your heart, God doesn't know. He knows all your embarrassing moments. He knows all your scars. He knows everything that you go through. And he allows all those things to happen because he wants to tell you one thing. I take it all. I accept it all. God is saying that to you. He accepts it all. He accepts me for the embarrassing things that I have done. He accepts me for the embarrassing things that I will do. Not only embarrassing, but painful, traumatic, scars, things that makes me feel bad. He accepts it all. Okay? Now, if you have your Bible, um, well, you can turn to John 20, verse 19 to 20. And here we, we take a look at what Jesus experienced, his scars. Okay, this is something that you all know already, right? Jesus came to his disciple with a soft knock on the door. And the reason why they locked the door is because they were still afraid of the Jewish authority 
because they were out to get Jesus and his disciples to try to persecute them. And so they locked the door. Jesus knocked on the door. He came to them. He said, here I am. Here are my scars. And this is a famous part where Thomas said to Jesus, I don't believe that it is Jesus until I can feel the scars in his hand and put my hands in his side and feel that scar. I will not believe that that is him. Okay, so this verse goes like this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the, the, with the door locked for fear of Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed to see the Lord, right? And he has to prove it to them with his scars. I'm going somewhere with this. He proved it to them with his scars. Now, I've already told you about all the scars, all the things associated with scars. But the things that I want you to focus on is what, is what God says in Isaiah 53, verse 5. Okay, Isaiah 53, verse 5. This is what he said. Surely he took up our pains, bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We have always think about wounds, scars, bruise, inflicting pain as some sort of a punishment. Isaiah reminds us that these things that we are thinking of as painful, as traumatic events, God used that. God used that to bring us hope, to bring us salvation, to bring us healing. He could have used anything at all, but he chose to use this avenue, scarring, pain, things that are dramatic, to bring us the relief, to bring us the hope that we have today. So I want you guys to think about that, okay? God could have used anything at all. He could have just, and all your pains and suffering goes away. All your embarrassing moments disappear. You could have a replay. You could have a replay of a replay. I mean, not replay the embarrassing moment. It's like going back to the before the, 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 the embarrassing moment and redo that so that you don't have that embarrassment. Like, redo the moment where I actually, before you know, pulling down my pants, look down and say, oh, there's a gap in the door. And I do something with that gap in the door, right? so that I don't have that embarrassment. But the embarrassment is there so that I can share with you today, right? Because you know what happened later on in life? Later on in life is what happened is that there's a kid, right? He, uh, he was here. His name was uh, Johnny? Sammy, 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 sorry, Sammy. And I completely understand what he was going through. I, I did not give him any grief because he went into that, the restroom over there, right? And he had an accident. And it's no, to no fault of his own. He took some medication, and that medication didn't sit well with him. So he had a, a, a bit of an accident, and it was all kind of all over the place. And I had the distinct pleasure of saying, hey, I've been there. I've been there. I know. I know what it's like. I can feel his pain. I can feel his embarrassment. So, you know, we went in, we take care of business, and we throw everything out. And you know what? That was it. It allows me to have a deeper understanding of someone else's plight, their embarrassment. It allows me to say to you that if you have any accident here, anywhere else, just give me a call. I will not shame you. I will not embarrass you, right? I will clean it up. Yes, ew, but I will clean it up. <laughs> right, all right. So you, you see, for me, it's like 
God allows a lot of things to happen. And we, want, we sit there and we wonder, why did it have to happen to me? Why did it happen? Why did it embarrass me? Why did I do that? And then sometime down the road, you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. I got it. I understand. Emotional scar. Matthew 26, 34. I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, you will deny me three times. You know who he's talking to? Peter, yes. Peter was like standing there and he was like, if everybody else is ashamed of you, I will not. I will not deny you. I will be your friend. I'll be there. I will, I will, I will, I will. And then we know the rest of the story, uh, right? So uh, the servant girl came to Peter and said, yeah, you're one, of, you're one of them. You're with that guy, Jesus. And he said, no, I'm not. I ain't with him. And you know what? Most of us are kind of like Peter today. A lot of times people are like, uh, aren't you a Christian? No, I'm not. What are you talking about? I'm not a Christian, right? Sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we're afraid of identifying with Christianity or with Jesus or with some religious aspect of all of this. And people tell us, and then we're afraid. We don't know why. We're just sort of afraid. And so Jesus told Peter that, you know what? You're going to do this because God knows. God knows. Not only Peter. That very same night, who, did, who else did he talk to? He talked to Judas. He said, someone is going to sell me out. Judas says, is it me? He said, yeah, it's you. You're going to sell me out. Right? So he knows all that, but he allows it all to happen. He knows that Peter was going to sell him out, but he allows it to happen. He knows that Judas was going to sell him out, but he allows it to happen. There's nothing that God doesn't know. It doesn't happen unless he allows it. I want to make sure that you understand that part. Because here is a key point. In Romans 2.4, it, it asks you this question. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? God's kindness, God's allowance, God's merciful is what allows you to come to repentance. You cannot say to yourself, I'm going to come to God and repent of all my sins. It doesn't happen until you recognize that He is merciful. It's a little bit more than that. I'll keep on pushing this point. But it is God's kindness that allows you to come to repentance. Without Him acting, you cannot repent. It is not in your ability to repent. Now, we come back and we look at the story of Peter, right? Jesus said that you're going to sell me out. Peter said no. Uh, I won't. And then he did. And then Jesus came back and he said, um, do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, you know, Lord, I love you. Right. And Jesus asked him three times not to persecute him, not to put him on the spot, not to embarrass him. Right. But to remind him that I knew what you were going to do. I knew what you were going to do. And I love you anyways. OK, so there is nothing that you can say here, sit here today and say, you know what? God doesn't love me because I am not perfect. You can't sit here today and say, you know what? I don't have very good grades. God can't really love me. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I'm not fat enough. I'm not skinny enough. There's nothing about you that will make God not love you. There's nothing about your characters that will make God not love you. There's nothing about what you will do in the future that will make God not love you. God knows it. God allows it. And he still loves you. And yet while we were still sinners, what did God do? He died. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In verse 
27. In verse 27, I want to make sure that you understand where it is coming from, where all of this is coming from, where God is coming from. Okay, Verse 27, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. God is helping you in your weakness. Did you know that? God knows that you are weak, and He's given you His Spirit to help you. Now, let me start that again. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us, through wordless groans, he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. Even when you do not know what to pray for, even when you do not have the words to utter out what it is that you want, what it is that you need, what it is that you are about, God's Spirit pray for you on your behalf. He is praying to himself because of you, because you don't know what it is to pray for because you don't know what it is that you need, because you are too scarred, you are too emotionally uh, you know, traumatized by whatever it is that you are feeling. I am weak, I am insufficient, I'm not good enough, uh, I am too sleepy, I am too whatever. You fill in that blank, okay? And the Holy Spirit comes and say, you know what, I got this, I got you. Remember the, the verse, it's like, he called you by your name, you are his. He chose you. He takes you. He possesses your life. You belong to him. Okay? So in the, in the way that he, what he's saying is that he's giving you his spirit, so his spirit prays on your behalf. Now, now you, you, uh, he died on the cross for you, right? He takes away all your sickness and pains, right? And then he gives you the spirit to pray on your behalf. So when you are in bed sleeping, when you're like falling asleep listening to this message, his spirit is praying for you to keep you awake. I don't know what his spirit is praying for right now, but you know, for example, why you are still sleeping, why you are still a sinner, why you are still dead to him, his spirit pray on your behalf, uttering what it is that you do not have the ability to utter. More than that, even more than that. We cannot come to repentance without God allowing us to. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking of God's Spirit say Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit. You cannot even say Jesus is my God unless the Spirit of God allows you to say it, teaches you to say it, tells you to say it. You have no ability in yourself to accept Jesus as your Lord. Did you know that? You have no ability. You were saved by him. You were chosen by him. You were given his spirit. And his spirit tells you that Jesus is your Lord. You have no ability outside of that. You cannot pick. I'll give you a clear example. Did you pick your parents? Did your parents pick you? No. Did you choose how tall you want to be? Did you choose your eye color? Did you choose how fast your heart was going to beat? Do you choose your emotion, when to cry? Do you choose? Do you really choose? Or is it something that some people are sensitive right, to certain things, some people are not? Did you choose that? Did you choose your intellectual level? Did you choose the ability to understand certain things? Now I'll share with you the second embarrassing things that happened to me. Yay. So let, 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 let me, let me you know, preempt every notion that is, is maybe out there about me. Okay. A lot of people say, oh, you know, he, he must be smart. Maybe he ha he's smart because he has glasses, right? Or whatever. 
So all people who have glasses must be smart or something like that. Okay, let, 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 let me try to preempt all of that and say, you know, I was actually pretty bad in school. And, 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 and I, I want to I tell you this really interesting thing, okay? Um, so in the fifth grade, again, coming back to the uh, sixth grade, coming back to, again to this fact where I'm a little bit, you know, unknowing in English or whatever. All right, so I was actually okay in math. But apparently, I was not even good in math, okay? All Asians are supposed to be good with math. I'm not one of those, okay? Let me, let me reiterate this point, okay? So in the sixth grade, I was given, uh, I was put into the advanced math class because I, I tested into it, okay? So I tested into this advanced math class, and, and I was actually doing very well when it was, uh, when it was like uh, arithmetic, plus uh, addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Okay, I was good at those. And then all of a sudden comes, Fraction. I have never seen fraction in my life. I didn't understand the word fraction. What is that? What is this thing above and bottom number? What is all that? And I had no clue. I had no concept of English. And so I was looking at that. I was like, this is not math. This is not math. And, and, and I was doing pretty bad. I was doing pretty bad. Okay. So my only saving grace is this. Because I was in the ESL. And the math class is at the same time with ESL, so I had to take the math class by myself. So the teacher was not um, willing to teach me on her own, so she handed me the book, the teacher's guide book, which has all the answers in them. So guess what I did, like every other good student that are out there, right? I sit there and I copy out every correct answers, right? I learned nothing. I learned how to copy really well, right? So, every single time the test comes around, I would get F. But my homework was phenomenal. They were all A, right? Not even A, they were like 100%, A plus, right? So, my grades sort of just, you know, it went by okay. Like, I was like above C level. Um, and then seventh grade happened, and it more fraction, and now there's decimal places, and then there's a whole bunch of other things. And, and, and I was really struggling with it. And uh, I was like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, this is, this is terrible. I'm dumb. How can I be this dumb? Like, honestly, I was like, I was like man, this, none of this thing make any sense. Like, I was sitting there with the textbook, and I'm like, I don't want to say any of this. This is not even English. This is like, this is like Chinese. I have no idea. I have no concept, okay? So I threw the book away, and you know, I did the only, thing, the, the only good thing that I know how to do, which is music, okay? Yeah, I, I did music. And I was, I was really okay at it, okay? So, so I, 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 I went in and I did band, I played the clarinet, whatever. So I was like first chair. You guys know what first chair is? Okay, so I did very well, okay? So I did okay for, the, for whatever amount of time that I was in there. And then also everybody wanted challenge me, challenge, challenge, challenge. And then I ended up in the last chair. <laughs> so everything I do was bad, you know? So I started out very well with everything, and then I just slowly get progressively worse and worse and worse, okay? That continued to the seventh grade, the eighth grade, ninth grade was sort of a little break, and then 10th grade was downhill, uh, 11th grade, and then 12th grade is like senior cut year. I have had it with school, you know? So that's my academic uh, track record right there for you uh, to, to see. I was not a good student. If anybody has any have ever had any reservation about thinking that I was a good student, get it out of your mind. I was not a, go a good student. I was a terrible student, okay? All right, why am I telling you that? It's because even when you're a bad math student, God still loves you. Even when you suck at music, God still loves you. 
Because it doesn't matter. He gives you the ability. You didn't choose him. You know, I could play the violin eh, a little bit, right? But I wasn't good. I was concert master for like maybe half a year. And then again, I was challenged out of my chair and I just keep on losing. It's like being a warrior, except you lose all the time, you know? <laughs> all right. Um, right. So again, I want to come back to, to this thing. It's, it is not that God loves you or accept you or save you because something special about you. He did it because of him. It is not you. You are special, yes. He will say that. He does say that. And I'll go to, to that address very, very soon. You are precious. That's exactly what God said. But that's not the reason why he saved you. He saved you because of him. <clears throat> this is the reason why, and, and, and you will notice that I'm going backward. When we're looking at Paul's, I'm going from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and now we're going to chapter 4, because Paul lays it out first, the basic, and then he goes and he dives down. Now we're going from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. This is what it says. For who makes you different from everyone else? Paul asked you this question. For who makes you different from everyone else? You are different from everyone else. Who did that? What did you have that you have not received? What do you have today that you did not receive? Your intellectual, your emotional, your spiritual, your eyesight. I'm four-eyed not because I choose to, not because I watch too much TV. I didn't. I'm four-eyed because I'm four-eyed. What do you have today that you not, did not receive? And if you did receive it, if you did receive it, why did you boast as if you didn't? You are who you are. You have what you have because it was given to you. Now, I've actually played with this verse a lot. I've actually tried to disprove this verse many times in my life. I said, for example, I was sucked in school, like I just said. But I achieved what I have achieved academically today because I tried so hard. And then I tried to play it out and I said, hey, who gave me the tenacity to try? Who gave me the tenacity to keep on going when I sucked? Why didn't I quit? Why do I have, do not have it in myself to quit? Who gave me the, 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 the desire to keep on going when I suck so bad? Who implanted the willingness to keep on going when you are such a terrible person? When everything around you tells you to stop trying, why did I keep on going? It wasn't me. It was something that was given to me. The opportunities that open, I didn't cause them to open, right? The jobs that I have, I, honestly, I didn't apply for. And when I tried my best, I sucked at it, and I was actually denied. I'll tell you that story, too, okay? I was in San Francisco at the time, okay? And uh, my old boss uh, called me up and said, hey, uh, David, I know that you're going to be out of a job soon, so why don't you apply to this position? And then he thought about it and said, why don't you not apply for that position and let me apply for it for you, okay? So he sort of turned in my resume and said, hey, this guy's great. He talked about me, and I was like, great? Are you kidding me? I'm great? No, I'm not. So anyways, he, he oversold me to my future employer, and then we had this phone interview um, in San Francisco. I still remember it. I was trying to shut down the lab that I was in because I was going to be out of a job. And then, uh, so the other guy called me up, and we had this phone interview. It lasted for about 15, 20 minutes. We're at the end of the day, we're at the, the end of that conversation. I told, I told the other guy, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're saying. Uh, you're not very clear. Your English sucked. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what you're trying to ask me. So um, that interview didn't go so well, okay? 
but <laughs> but uh, matter of fact, I did get a job because my boss again uh, talked to the guy. And said, "There's a complete misunderstanding here. You gotta you gotta take him on. You gotta bring him in. Uh, this this this, uh, this this is just a big misunderstanding." So I was given the job. You see, it's not like I tried very hard. I didn't. It was given. And every single day of my life, I recognize that everything that we have, our heights, our deficiencies, the mistakes. The things that makes us ashamed, fearful, sad, are given. Scars are given to you. Okay, we have to believe that they are given to you. I want to come back to Isaiah forty-three, verse two, because this is what God is saying to you. When you pass through water, I will be with you. And when you pass through rivers, they will not oversweep you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now you will notice the words that God uses here: when, not if. When, when you walk through water, when you walk through river, when you go through fire, it is an assurance that it will happen. It's not saying if. Okay, God is saying when. You will face tragic times. You will face adversity. In those moments, in those moments where you are going through all that, God is saying. I am right there with you. It reminds me of the story of Joseph, right? Brothers throw him in a pit, pull out, sold into slavery. Again, throw into prison. Again, throw into another prison. You see, in throughout Joseph's life, it's wonderful. He has this wonderful life of being cast down into a pit and thrown in, in, into prison, right? He must have said, said to himself, "Wow, I have a wonderful life." No, he doesn't say that. But what he does have, the secret that he has, and he wants to tell us. Is that even in all those circumstances, God was right there. God remembers me. God does not believing being a Christian. I, I guess the the point I'm trying to make here is that being a Christian does not mean that your life is going to be trouble free. It doesn't mean that you will not face hard time. In fact, being a Christian will guarantee that you have a trouble time. It guarantees that you will have hard time. But it also guarantees that God will be right there next to you. He did it all. He suffered it all. So when you come to him, he understands it all. Just like you know, Sammy, who had the accident in there. I understand him completely. When you come to me today and said I suck at math, I completely understand you. Okay. When you say none of this makes any sense, my textbook don't make any sense. I completely understand you. When you saying to me, I only speak Vietnamese. I don't understand a lick of English. I completely understand you. I know what you're saying. All the drama, all the stuff that I went through is so that God allows it to happen. Is so that I can say to you, I understand you. And if I can say that, I can only imagine what is God, what God is saying to you. I not only understand it, I comprehend it, I sympathize. I know exactly what you are going through because you are mine. That's what God's telling you now. I want to skip, 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 skip. My notes are so long, but I want to skip down to to this part right here. So you say you you are asking me the question: If God did it all, uh, God saves you. God gives you the Spirit to pray on your behalf. God understands it all. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He guarantees that you're going to have problems and troubles and so on and so forth. And He tells you, "Don't worry about it." Right? That's what, what that's what I'm saying. Why do I say that? Okay, because Isaiah 43 verse 4. All I'm sharing with you 
A lot of different scriptures all come back to Isaiah 43. If you want to know what this message is about, go and read Isaiah 43. Go and find that and read it and pray and God will show you. Because this is what it says in verse 4. Since you are precious and honor in my sight. The reason why he did it all is because of that reason. Since you are precious and honor in my sight and because I love you. That's it. That is his reason. It isn't because you're perfect. It isn't because you're imperfect. It isn't because you're good. It is not because you're bad. It's not because you were of some heritage, family, whatever. It is irregardless of who you are. It simply is because you are precious in his sight and because he loves you. That's it. That's his reason. That is the entirety of his reason. It is spelled out very clearly in Isaiah 43 verse, verse 4. And what does he do about it? What does God do about it? It doesn't require you to have to do anything. This is what he does. Okay, Isaiah 43 again, verse 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. He saved you. He erased your sins. He forgives you. He blots out your transgression because, not because of you, but it is because of his own sake. He chooses to forget everything that is embarrassing about you because he wants to. Not because you asked him to. Not because you deserve it. Not because you do, did something great. Not because you save humanity. Not because you're the greatest doctor or the dumbest kid on the block. It's irregardless of who you are. He did it because of him. He didn't do it because of you. He did it because you are precious in his sight and because he loves you. Those are his motivations. Not because of what you have done. Not because of your flaws. Not because of your mistakes. Not because of your embarrassments. And he asks you only for one thing. And this is what I want to close on. Verse 26. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case of your innocence. Since the verse before said, I have forgotten, right? And remember your sins no more. He chose to forget everything that you have done. He asked you to come and remind him of what it is that you have done. And state to him why you think you're innocent. Because he doesn't remember. He has chosen to forgive you of everything that you have done. Everything that you will do. And so if you come to him and you still want to talk about the mistakes and the embarrassments that you still remember, he said, come. Come to me. And uh, first of all, remind me what it is that you have done. And remind me again why you are innocent. It's significant because of this. He chose not to remember your sins and your iniquities and your, your, your mistakes and so on and so forth. But if you so choose to remember those things and still want to bring it up to him, he said, come, talk about it with me. But let it be known, let it be known to you that I have already forgiven you all of that because I love you, because you are precious to me. But if you still want to talk about it, talk to me. Seek me out. Talk to me. We need to have a conversation. Okay? So again, I just want to close on that note. If you ever have an embarrassing moment, I'm pretty sure God knows about it. I'm pretty sure God knows about it before you did it. God probably know about the bathroom incident, and he probably sit there and just laugh about it a little bit before I went in there and like thought about my, you know, I, I thought like I was so smart that day. It's like, man, I got, it. I got this. I got it all covered until I didn't, right? And I'm pretty sure that a lot of you have incidents where you're like, man, I can get away with this. But you know what? You won't, because God knows. But it doesn't matter, because he loves you. But the reminder here is that God cares, loves. The only thing he wants you to do is come and talk to him. Everything else, he's covered. Your sins, forgiven. The stuff that you're going through, it's not his punishment. 
don't think about it that way. The scars that you have, that you feel, that you will get, those things are gentle little things that God allows so that you are reminded to come back and talk to Him. Tell me why. Tell me why you did it. He's inviting you to have that conversation. He's inviting you with all that you are to come. And His book are full of promises like, don't you want to know more about what God feels about you? Don't you want to know what God sees in you? What is it that God loves about you, about each one of us? Why did He create you this way? So that is, again, this message is an invitation. Not to come talk to me because I got no answers, but come talk to God. But you want to talk about, to me about your embarrassing moment, I'm all ears. I'm very willing and ready to listen to all your embarrassing moments. I will laugh with you, and I will guarantee I will laugh at you. Because, you know, I laugh at myself too, so why not? But, all right, let us uh, come to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, for you love us not because of our goodness, because we have none of it. Thank you, Lord, for you have forgiven our sins. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you have given us, Lord God, because everything we have, we have received from you. It is a blessing, never a curse. Lord God, I pray that you would allow us to come to you. Allow us to come and have a conversation with you. Allow us to come and talk to you to find out more about who you are and what you are about. Lord God, I pray that as each day that we grow, our relationship with you isn't dependent on heaven and hell. It is not about our desire to be somewhere. It is not our desire to have something. It is not our desire to, to escape from the drama, the things that we have to go through, Lord God. But allow us to come to you because you love us. Allow us to come to you because we are precious. Allow us to come to you because you love us, Lord God. I pray that as each day that we go and live, like Lord God, that as the world rejects us, as our friends reject us, as our friends make fun of us for our embarrassing moments, Lord God, the scars that we experience, that we know that you understand, that you comprehend, that you know it all, and you still love us despite of it all. Thank you, Lord. And I lift up this church, this congregation, and everyone in it before you, Lord God up in your hand. Thank you, Lord, and I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.